And we are back in our Spooktober special dive into the new mutants. We have laid the table in the way that really only this podcast can, going behind the scenes on the uh, convoluted production history, going behind (laughs) the page on the creation of these characters, what they meant, why the new mutants are special, why they're different to the X-Men, why they um, exist. Uh, We've sent you to get the best t-shirts available from offworldtees.com. We make geek shirts for geeks by geeks, and we've really paid homage to the people that dig deeper than anyone else and make this show possible. Peter J., Mikey W., Brandon Schmigilski, Randall Schmidt, George Bingham, Zach Thomas, Bastabier, Sam, and Bindi. Table laid. It's time for the man himself, Mr. Will Preston, to take the reins and do the next part. I'm going to rein it in. I'm going to rein story. That's what I'm going to do. I'm pressing play. Danny Moonstar, a young Cheyenne Native American. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. (laughs) You went into storytelling mode. You went, I'm going to press play. Danny Moonstar, a young... (laughs) Look, you never know who's going to be listening to this podcast. One day I might like to get into voice acting work. You could get some voiceover gigs. I'm so sorry. Yeah, please carry on with exactly that tone for the rest of the show. (laughs) I don't know now because you're laughing too much. Uh, if you think I'm good enough uh, from any of the podcasts, even think about voiceover work, let me know, especially if you have contacts. Anyway, I'll start again. Don't ever do that voice on a... <laughs> Danny Moonstar. No, I won't do that voice either. Danny Moonstar. Danny Moonstar. Uh, Danny Moonstar, a young Cheyenne Native American, is woken up in the middle of the night by her father and dragged from her home as a tornado devastates her reservation. Hidden in a tree, she witnesses her father and everyone else die before falling unconscious trying to escape. Waking up, Danny finds herself strapped to a gurney in an old hospital. Dr. Cecilia Reyes, the person running the hospital explains that Danny is not an ordinary human being, but rather has unique mutant DNA, and she advises her to remain in the hospital until she learns the effects and how to control them alongside her fellow patients. So it's a fairly intense start to a film, isn't it? Mm. It's it's interesting. Because it's like there's no introduction, there's no like oh while this was while the X Men stuff was happening, this was also happening. It just throws you in the middle of this uh, scenario. There aren't a huge amount of X Men references in the movie. There's barely any. I think the word yeah. X Men is mentioned twice. Uh, it reminds me of so before this movie came out, there was a I don't know if it was Fox, but there was a Marvel TV series called The Gifted. which was about a group of young new mutants who were um, learning to get their powers and all of that, and it featured, like, half the cast were, like, completely invented for television, Mm. and the other half were classic X-Men characters. Yeah. But it was 
meant to be it was like you you were, you can be an x-men spin-off thing but you can't really ever mention the actual x-men and you can't have an association with the movie so it was this whole fox thing where it was the gifted was young new x-men but in a different timeline mm. where the x-men had retired or died or something like that so it's so when when there's no real when there's not going to be a real connection like it's annoying that like Deadpool has got this actual connection that he doesn't need really for that movie. Yeah. Whereas this would really benefit from a little bit of that connection, wouldn't it? I think yeah, I think it would, but at the same time I'm like it's it's like the way uh, Daredevil didn't need the major MCU connections. There was just that mere mention of the incident. And then that's it, and it kind of worked, and it worked on its own strength. So I admire it for going. You know what? We're going to work on our own strengths here. We're going to focus on these people. We're not. I don't know, I don't know if that was what happened, but yeah. No, it's not what happened, <laughs> but it's the feeling of it. But you know, also it feels. Um, it does feel in that way. It, like it would have worked as a setup to a new franchise instead of another X Men film. So I know there's a whole idea of it being a new originally penned as a new trilogy but almost like a separate franchise but to be honest it's not a strong enough first film to do such a thing obviously not i mean no one no one no one thought this was a strong movie mm. nobody involved in this movie thought it was a strong movie i don't think anyone had faith in it which i, 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 nope. I, I want to say is a shame but i think it's the right reaction to this film <laughs> So yeah, but can, can, do you see these these actors and these characters, and do you think that on the basis of their strengths, you could have done something complete? You know, forget the movie they actually produced because that obviously is very problematic. You know, had a lot of problems. But could you could you not have got a good movie out of these characters and actors? I I think you probably could. They feel like side characters, don't they? A lot of them, and they're not really used to their full advantage. Like you don't see yeah, their, but- their 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 abilities used so but they get used at key points so you could get you could get something great out of them you could maybe i guess what what's holding you back in that respect i don't know it just feels like if you were to go like hey let's do some to the full potential but in the end you might end up with just another x-men movie that would be all right but wouldn't stand out on its own or have its own particular feel but you could lean into the horror supernatural aspects which x-men don't yeah, and you could yeah, really you could. do something proper. There are moments that that come up later. I'll t- I'll get into think, it that do really I think feel the plan like a for this fairly movie. decent horror movie. Sorry, we we uh, had a little connection mishap there. I think the the plan for this movie hmm. um, and for the trilogy and stuff, I think, is actually a really good idea. Yeah. It's such a shame it didn't really come off. Yeah, it's a shame. So. What we're obviously seeing uh, here is that there, there's an attack, and it, there there is a supernatural element involved. Uh, it's probably a good idea to start talking a little bit about the demon bear. Is this how the story starts in the comics? That that story arc. Take a look at the second image. This I sent you three, and then one, and then one. So the second that I sent to you on its own. Um, right. The demon bear story. What are you seeing there? Mm, I'm seeing. Uh, what looks to be Danny with a with a bow and arrow looking up oh, against that's the wrong one then the, the second uh, I sent you three yeah I'm looking at the middle not one not them and then I sent you one oh, okay then the one okay well, I'm, I'm seeing one of <laughs> Charles Xavier yeah ah okay that's it's, 
It's a significant scene. Um, yeah, the horrible. Demon Bear story starts with Xavier Mansion being bombed from the outside by the military, mm. um, blowing up whole sections, and one of the students rushes to Professor X for help. He's in his wheelchair by the huge window. He says he needs to talk to the military and get him to stop. He throws the window open and he clutches at the long curtains and uses them to pull himself upright so he can, you know, get rise out of the chair and talk to them. Ooh. And as he's yelling at them, begging them to stop, he is mercilessly gunned down. Ooh. That's quite a striking image you've got there, isn't it? Yeah, he's he's uh, rolling back on his wheelchair. There's a blam. He's saying, in mercy's name, cease fire. But he's interrupted as a blam. And you just see the exit impact of the shot uh, you basically go through his torso and there's uh, just blood coming out the back of him it's awful yeah and this is how the the story begins however this is kind of plays no role in the demon bear story um this is a- actually a glimpse of a future brought to us by a refugee from another time a young mutant who witnesses the death of um xavier and the x-men and and things like that and this doesn't yeah it doesn't have anything to do with the the demon bear story it but it what it does do is it, it so this time refugee is a plot point that gets picked up later on. Mm. Very Claremont writing. You talked about Warlock the alien earlier. Warlock gets introduced in the Demon Bear story, but doesn't play a role because it doesn't happen on to our characters, and it's a plot point that gets picked up later on. Yeah. So this doesn't have anything to, to do with it, but it starts the Demon Bear saga off with this ominous tone. Mm. We see literally the most important character... Um, in the mutants kind of mythos being murdered horribly in cold blood it, it sets the pace of like terrible things happen yeah violence happens death is inevitable and crucially adults cannot save you um and it lingers no one out none of the other characters kind of know any, any of this you know this is just the memories of someone they haven't met yet but it definitely casts a pall over the reader and the reading experience absolutely that's that's a very stark feel back to the story later danny is introduced to four other teenagers sam guthrie Ileana rasputin bobby de costa and rain sinclair race has brought each of them to the hospital after they have each either experienced or accidentally caused a horrible tragedy Sam collapsed an entire coal mine on his father and co-workers, killing them all. Bobby accidentally burnt his girlfriend to death. Rain escaped her her devout Catholic village by killing the priest after he branded her as a witch. And Ileana was enslaved and sexually abused as a child. Are these the backgrounds and histories that are all taken from the New Mutants comics? Or did they make them a bit darker for this? They did make them a bit darker, yeah. Mm. Um, so Sam Sam Guthrie, actually, um, he's caught in this cave mining, but he saves some of his fellow workers. His dad, his dad's already dead. Um, his dad is uh, not kind of not in the scene, mm. and Sam works in the in the in the coal mines, and the mines do collapse. But Sam's powers manifest, and he saves his co-workers. Right, okay. um, so it's not this kind of thing where he. Where it's where where it kills them all, and he's the only one that survives. Mm. Um, he's then looking for help and direction with his powers, and gets hired um, 
by uh, the the Hellfire Club, and unknowingly joins you know this kind of evil, this yeah this evil group of gang, and uh, he's sent off to attack the New Mutants. Um, and uh, Sam ends up you know refusing the order to kill and kind of not wanting any part of that, and that's how he kind of gets hooked up with with Charles Xavier. Um, Bobby da Costa is a uh, mixed race Brazilian. Mm. He's the son of an Afro Brazilian businessman and very wealthy man, Emmanuel. Um, and thanks to his father's encouragement and support, he becomes this star Brazilian soccer player and is considered by recruiters for the Olympic team. Um, and he's playing a, a fucker match, soccer match. I, I really messed up there. I went to say football and soccer at the same time, and accidentally did a swear. Yeah, um, but I don't, I don't think we need to take it out because it was a. a Ben, clear, ben Stiller uh, already made that 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 joke, so don't worry. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So he's playing a football game with his team. And racist members of the opposing team assault him. Mm. Um, and they, they hurl horrible epitaphs at him and and start beating him up on the field. A brutal beating. And Racism and his in powers, football? I'm so surprised. I know, right? Absolutely his, his, his mutant powers manifest. Um, and uh, it terrifies everybody. In the, mm. Like, everyone abandons the stadium. Except for his girlfriend, who stays by his side and supports him. Uh, is not killed by him. Good. Um, Rain is born in the North Highlands in Scotland. Ullapool, mm. uh, Ullapool, mm. um, and she's actually delivered by Doctor Moira McTaggart, ah. who we've mentioned several times. Um, one of Xavier's closest confidants. Um, she happens to live locally. Uh, the local uh, Presbyterian minister, Reverend Craig, raises Rain as an orphan. Um, but when she's revealed as a mutant, the uh, very, very hardline Reverend Craig leads an angry mob to burn his, essentially, his daughter at the stake. Um, Rain is, is rescued and then later adopted by Moira McTaggart. And that kind of leads Moira to basically say, listen, Charlie, you need to pull yourself out of this funk and start uh, start teaching again. I've got these kids coming out of my ears who need help. Um Danny is, um, yeah, she's a, she has a similar background, but so nothing happens to like her people. Her her powers manifest, and she's struck by a um, a vision of her parents' death, and she shows it to her pet, like she can project this vision to her parents, and her parents see themselves being killed by a demonic bear. Um, and they disappear, they leave her, they kind of abandon her, mm. and Danny is taken in by her grandfather, Black Eagle, um, and she then has to fight off the Hellfire Club on her own, who tried to come and capture her, the Hellfire Club murder her grandfather, and Professor X gets called in, Prof- Professor X was a, a close friend of Danny's father, um, and that's how she gets kind of uh, wrapped up in the Xavier School. Ilyana first appears in Giant Size X-Men number one back in 1975. Giant Size X-Men number one is the the 70s relaunch mm. of the X-Men, where we get Wolverine and Nightcrawler and Storm and everybody. She's, her name is not given until six years later. Okay. She is Ilyana Rasputin. Um, 
she is the little sister of Colossus. The nice bloke. What? The what? He's a nice bloke, isn't he, Colossus? He's a lovely boy. I, yeah, I guess He's so, a lovely, yeah, sure. wholesome boy. So she's a really important figure mm. um, and character um, as as the little sister of Colossus, who's been a background character for, like, eight years. Um, and then in 1982, as while she's a small child, Ilyana is, is kidnapped by demons, Ooh. vanishes to a limbo dimension... And then reappears almost immediately, but having been aged seven years, Ooh. she aged rapidly in limbo. Hmm. She's lived there for seven years on her own with demons and returns as a teenager who's like essentially been raised and schooled in magic, in limbo, and now has mystic powers hmm. and has mutant teleportation powers. She is very convoluted. Um, <laughs> it's, later, it's later revealed... That Ilyana is like raised by, yeah, these demons and monsters who forcibly corrupt her soul because mm. it's going to give them more power. She's then freed and kind of trained to try and like use good magic and save her soul and resist corruption. This goes, you know, it's a seven seven year period, it's a huge period of her life. And she becomes a powerful sorceress in limbo, torn between good and evil. Um, eventually turns herself into a powerful conqueror, grows horns and a tail like a demon, um, kills and destroys the demons that tortured her, becomes the new ruler of Limpo, and then is teleported back to the real world where virtually no time has passed. Wow. Um, and then she is placed with the new mutants because no one knows what to do with her. <laughs> no one like like her brother doesn't like is is this even still my sister? Yeah. There's this dark evil twinge to her. Like she doesn't have fr- like her family don't really want her. Her friends kind of reject her, and no one knows who this person is because the last seven years she's been in sort of hell. Bloody hell. Back to the film. All of them also possesses superhuman abilities due to mutations in their DNA. Bobby can manipulate solar energy. Sam can fly at jet speed. Ilyana has interdimensional sorcery powers. Rain's lycanthropy allows her to turn into a wolf. Rain's has you love that word, don't you? Lycanthropy. You love that word. It's. I don't know if that. I don't think it counts. It's not lycanthropy. Well, because it doesn't happen uh, at the full moon. It's nothing to do with the magic. Nothing to do with the full moon. Do you know what? This sounds like the Alan Partridge <laughs> bit, where he's like, Frankenstein's a type of zombie. But am I wrong? Like, lycanthropy, it suggests to me that she's some kind of mystic supernatural right, creature. She's I'm not. She's a mutant. Up. She's a mutant shapeshifter. Uh, apparently, it's a mental disorder. Clinical lycanthropy is a psychic, a mental disorder where the which the patient believes that he is a wolf or some other non-human animal. Well, she doesn't have that either. No, uh, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going down this. I'm moving past this. I'm not even going to agree or so you, disagree you with just you. Say, you. Just say the words, Rob. You are right, and we move on. That's all you have to do. No, I'm going to move Come on with, without giving you the satisfaction. Just four little words. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so much right now. Back with the film. Race herself is also a powerful mutant who can manipulate plasma energy force fields, preventing the five of them from leaving the facility. 
Collectively, the five teenagers believe that they are being trained to join the X-Men, hence the strict supervision. Raze warns them that they are considered dangerous and should not leave until they have mastered their superhuman abilities. Danny attempts to escape, but is stopped by a force field surrounding the entire hospital grounds. Ileana mocks Danny, pointing out that this isn't a hospital, it's a cage. So this scene, when they're all together and introduced, it feels like the introduction scene in first class, but if they had no money. (laughs) I think there's this problem with like, movies where you say i'm gonna have a whole bunch of characters but the movie isn't going to introduce them piecemeal Mm. it's just gonna slap them all on the screen at the same time that's 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 when you have these problems if you want to do a movie like this Mm. a story like this the new mute the new mutants in the comic book it's not on page five they're all stood there and someone (laughs) explains who they are you see gradually you see that but each individual background in history and how they make their way to xavier and how they come together that's your story it feels like otherwise you get these awful clunky scenes well this is a 94 minute movie so they feels like they were really rushing the story ahead here. So they needed the, ex- uh, not existential, the expositional scene where they just go, this is me, this is me, this is me, this is me. That's it. But only, but only because you've decided not to do an origin movie, you've decided to rush the origin yep. and then go to the demon bear stuff. Go to the demon bear, exactly. Whereas you need to do an origin story and then you can't do origin and a story. Mm. Like, it's... It needs to be... Well, Raimi did it, didn't he, with Spider-Man? Yeah. But that's... I want to point out at this point, uh, I'm happy with some of the casting. Uh, we've got Anna Taylor-Joy uh, as Ileana Rasputin. Very... I, 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 there's something about her face which is quite alien. I think it's the eyes. And it's quite... There's something. Yeah, it works very well for this role. Oh, absolutely works. Incredible. And uh, we've also got Charlie Heaton as Sam. Uh, who, you all know if you've seen Stranger Things. I thought it was quite apt to have a Stranger Things actor in this film when you're dealing with uh, like a, coming, a, a minor coming-of-age teen thing yeah, yeah, that yeah. deals with the supernatural and the horror kind of way. Let's get, let's get a Stranger Things actor. But uh, brilliantly, they, they've got uh, Maisie Adams. Uh, who I've, Williams. I've seen in Maisie game. Adams is a comedian. <laughs> well, not Maisie Adams. Sorry, Maisie Williams. <laughs> Maisie Adams, fun fact. Maisie Adams uh, came to watch me... In a, it was in the audience for my uh, Brighton show because she was friends with the other guys doing the doubleheader with in 2019 and witnessed us both die on stage for 25 minutes each. She's doing well. I'm still getting there. But uh, yeah, Maisie Williams, uh, who I really enjoyed in Game of Thrones. I thought she was so good in it. Uh, and I hope I really see a lot more of her in the next few years. Also, I thought it was, her, uh, it was quite funny with her character. How else do you signify uh, a female character as Scottish? Other than the accent, you make her look like Nicola Sturgeon. She, had, she really looks like, hey, we want a young Nicola Sturgeon <laughs> looking for her. Well, she is meant to have had this very repressed kind of odd background. And Nick, like Nicola Sturgeon. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if she's had... Well, she's not meant to kind of look like a contemporary modern kid. I don't not think. contemporary modern, but it's, but it's like, it's it's, it's, it's it's something around the face and the haircut's the same as Nicola Sturgeon. That's all I okay. just couldn't get past that. I, I think Maisie Williams doesn't, to me, seem like she's doing blockbusters she yeah. seems to have picked her project very carefully this m- might have been what put her off doing big budgets st- or, or you know tentpole movies because she seems to be doing 
much like you know she does an awful lot of smaller dramas mm. and stuff i've not seen her you know crop up in anything massive have you no no i think this is the biggest she thing. works a lot she's always working i'm looking uh, i'm looking things up now and it's very scattered but if she's getting the money in if she's happy with what she's doing then she's won <laughs> yeah no, i'm not saying she should yeah. i'm saying when you're saying you want to see a lot more of her mm. i think she, i'm saying she's worked consistently mm. but she's been doing smaller kind of you know dramas and stuff like that i don't think she wants to do i know I, I, these kind of films i think the subtext behind when i say that is i hope i see her in more mainstream more like big budget stuff that's always what i mean when i i, I kind of say oh, that because right. i'm not very good at yeah, hunting down know. smaller projects i'm very bad at I, it. I wonder whether because because uh, her friend from that show whose name escapes me, um, you know, was Jean Grey, and I, oh. I, I wonder whether she was. At this t- we had this time when we had you know Maisie is Rain and uh, Sansa or whatever her real name is is Jean Grey, but I I wonder if the whole you know Dark Phoenix and this movie put them both off this kind of uh, projects. That's a good point. Uh, no time to look that up now with to see if the other uh, actor's been in much. Sophie Turner. Sophie Turner. Okay, there we go. There we go. Uh, is this how we meet the new mutants in the original stories in such a rushed way? Because it doesn't sound like it from the way you've said it. No, they're all brought together kind of bit by bit. Yeah. Um, like I said, kind of Xavier's kind of just this depressed dude um, <laughs> vowing to never put mutants in danger ever again um, and basically saying to himself, the X Men was a mistake. I was just, I was wrong. The X-Men were a mistake. Um, but Moira has got uh, Rain in her care. Mm. And she's also... Um, Moira's received a letter from Mr. Fantastic regarding mm. a young mutant, uh, Xian Koi Man, mm. um, who has the ability to control the body of anybody around her. Mm. Does she become... She's control Anyway... She featured in a previous Fantastic Four story um, and was a mutant. And Mr. Fantastic reached out and and kind of said, this kid's only options now that Professor X has shut the school down are the Hellfire Club <laughs> and Magneto. Like, yeah. this is a dangerous thing. We need Xavier in the game. Otherwise, all the mutants are going to go to the people that want to control powerful kids yeah it's a bad thing um and so that kind of convinces xavier to okay i will take them in and look after them and i'll i'll train them how to protect themselves and others but not to do like combat stuff i like that Um, you've mentioned like he he's he's feeling bad for putting young people in such heart and such danger it's almost like a wry comment about the previous history of the x-men like, oh, actually, we've got to think of this in real terms. He's probably going to feel really guilty about the danger he's been putting the team through. Yeah. it's. It, I mean, Batman goes through a similar thing once Jason Todd's Robin is killed off. Yeah. Where he, he's kind of like, when Tim Drake wants to become Robin, Batman's kind of like, maybe putting a child in a combat situation was a terrible idea. <laughs> Dreamed up by coke addicts in the 30s <laughs> um but yeah it's the slow ebbing of yeah. yeah 16 year olds eh go and fight magneto the most powerful creature that ever lived um 
so at the same time, like Ra, like Ra, Moira's like finds Rain again and like adopts her, and she has this letter, and this 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 young uh, Vietnamese uh, mutant karma kind of comes to her. Mm. Um, at the same time as that, Xavier gets the letter from Black Eagle, Danny's um, grandfather, mm. saying, "Oh my God, you got to help with my my granddaughter. Her parents are dead." And da, 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 da. So, so it's like like all these things come together, and he's like, "I've suddenly I've got three kids that need looking after um and uh and then and then the 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 whole thing with um bobby happens in in brazil Mm. um and it's quite a very public kind of event that happens and so um the hellfire club go after bobby um they try to um lure him out of hiding by kidnapping his girlfriend um and his girlfriend is killed in this fight. So Bobby's girlfriend does die, but it's not him that kills her. Mm. It's Donald Pierce who's kind of leading the the Hellfire Club at the time, and she kind of sacrifices herself to um, to save to save him. And this is witnessed by Sam Guthrie, who's there working for the Hellfire Club, going, "I don't think this is good. I just <laughs> I joined the one of the only public like." people i could find to help mutants and now suddenly i'm on this kind of death squad and this girl died and we're gonna a rat we're gonna kidnap and steal this dude mm. this is terrible <laughs> so he he like turns on the hellfire club and again goes could i come and live with you <laughs> and so that's that's this 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 slow build-up piecemeal of how they all kind of come together okay okay all right back to the film Climbing the hospital clock tower, Danny contemplates committing suicide, but is talked out of it by Rain. As the two bond, Rain takes Danny on a quick tour of the facility, stopping by to watch Sam use his powers outside. That night, Sam is disturbed by one of the washing machines in the laundry room emanating a bizarre noise. Investigating, mine, mine does that. Um, it's because the dampeners are gone from it, and so it walks across the room. It kind of walks right across the bloody kitchen, and I've even got a like a doorstop, yeah, hammer in the bottom to try and keep it in place. It don't matter. Oh, washing machines. Some kind of Doctor Strange portal appears in the fridge. Oh yeah, my fridge does that. Yeah, my fridge does that. Just turns out you're not. You need to replace the bulb. Is that what I sound like? That's Ghostbusters. Oh, that's Ghostbusters with the eggs and stuff. God, I love that bit. Investigating, Sam has a vivid flashback to a mine where his late father worked. As Sam approaches him, his father turns around and asks, Samuel, what did you do? Sam violently snaps out of his vision, blasting himself across the room. As this happens... Ray's monitors the entire hospital from an array of screens. They're really, at the points like this, they're really yelling at you. By the way, this is a psychological horror. In case you didn't figure it out, there's all these little. How do you mean in 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 like the dream sequences? The, 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 and stuff. Yeah, the vivid dream sequences or the visions you see. Uh, they have all the, the the typical tropes of a psychological horror. They're mm. going. They're really going for the tropes with this one. Also, uh, with Dr. Ray's, uh, what, was she invented for this movie, or is she a character from the Marvel Universe? Cecilia Ray's, yeah. Mm. Um, uh, she, she kind of comes about in the ni- mid-90s mid mm. um, in the X-Men comics. She's never been like a spooky villain like this, Okay, a controlling weird person. Cecilia Ray's um, is a doctor. 
Um, and she then develops like mutant powers. Mm. Uh, well, she develops mutant powers, which is like, well, cool. Don't want to do anything with these. I'm going to be a doctor because <laughs> my dad was killed when I was little, and it seems like a good thing to do because no one helped him. So I want to be able to help him. Feels, people. Okay, obviously dad's dead, but it feels like 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 an overburdening parents said, "Hey, there isn't that. There isn't much money in being an X Men. You've got to be a doctor. Get a proper job." <laughs> the the X Men try to recruit her, mm. um, and she's like, "No, thank you. <laughs> no need for that. I'm a doctor. I help people all the time. Uh, don't need to." don't need to go and punch magneto um also i have no combat powers mm. i only have force fields i so no no thank you i'm going to keep doing surgery and saving people um but then she kind of like um she's has no choice in the matter because there's this this government-backed anti-mutant task force called operation zero tolerance um mm. kicks off big time in the in the late 90s um and they they start coming for and hunting down mutants and arresting everybody um so she's forced to uh to kind of team up with Iceman and some other x-men to try and escape new york and she from that point on reluctantly joins the x-men Mm. Um, but in this kind of like, I'm not hitting anybody. I'm not. I don't fight. What are you talking about? I'm a doctor. Her, she just like her first adventure. She saves Cyclops from awful stuff using her surgery skills, and that's kind of her deal. Like she, she can put up a force field and then do surgery and save your life. Um, so she's useful as a medic on your on your team. Um, and she, you know, improvises using. She can use smaller force fields to help her do little things in surgery and stuff. Um, but she, and she's pretty good at like, um, like. So she needed hot water, but they're in the middle of a combat thing. So she's pretty good. So she has Storm. Okay, Storm. We've got buckets of cold water. They need to be sterilized and hot. Use your lightning to 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 heat the water to boiling point so it's sterile like she takes charge and she's good in that way that a doctor should be in an emergency situation does that make sense yeah 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 um and she gets made uh, you know a proper member of the of the x-men once cyclops kind of comes out of surgery but she's really not interested in being a superhero she never takes like a mutant moniker like cyclops or storm she goes Dr. Cecilia Reyes, <laughs> that's my name, um, worked hard for this name, not like you, who just said, I'm Cyclops now, I went to school for <laughs> years to get my name. Um, she doesn't wear like a, a superhero costume, she's generally dressed as a doctor, or she sometimes wears the um, yellow and blue, so in the 90s there was like a basic training outfit the x-men had mm. which is the yellow and blue the you know the the sort of like wolverine's costume oh, but without the mask was this from the cover um, of uh, the, the first issue where you see them all in their original outfits it's like the yellow and blue spandex but it's all like uniform uh, it's 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 much it's 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 quite different in the nineties. Okay. The color scheme is a bit similar, but the blues are much brighter. The yellows are much brighter. Yeah. It's very form fitting. Like the sixties original X Men costumes look like um, overalls, <laughs> like boiler <laughs> boiler suit overalls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah anyway, yeah. she kind of just wears like a training outfit if she has to, and she she she's she's. She's part of several dangerous adventures when she's kind of called up to medically save the lives of the X-Men. But she 
leaves the team after a while goes back to working in the hospital she's a great i really i always like the character as like oh yeah there would be characters that i don't have any offensive powers i'm not going to get into a fight i also i have more my much better use to the world as a doctor mm. like why would i so uh, she leaves the team but over the next few decades she does keep getting caught up in mutant affairs and brought in on different storylines here and there you know caught up in x-men problems and she's someone they know they can call on for specific medical help and 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 things like that and she ends up becoming like an absolute expert in mutant biology Mm. because no other doctor in the world has had this her level of experience dealing with so many different mutants so um she yeah she becomes an expert it's almost like being a human vet you're a doctor but you have yeah this oh this extensive knowledge of different kinds and and also every every mutant is different Yeah, yeah yeah like they're not like a they're not really like a subspecies. So, what is what 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 saving Cyclops and saving Wolverine are two different things. Oh, that's incredible! I like the logic behind that. Anyway, back to but she's never she's never you know a spooky villain. She's never a spooky villain. Good. No. The next morning, Danny and Rain hit the showers. With Rain pointing out, there's no cameras here, but there might be microphones. Spotting a scar in the shape of a W on Rain's skin, Danny tries to talk to her about it but this causes Rain to exit the showers. In the rec room, Danny faces up to Ileana, who has been antagonising Danny ever since she arrived. A fight between the two breaks out. Danny hasn't figured her powers out yet, with Ileana claiming the advantage. Just when Ileana is about to strike Danny, Rays interrupts the fight with a force field, just like the one Danny encountered when trying to escape. What can you tell us about Danny Moonstar, then? Is she pretty much like this in the comics? Not really. I mean, she had that that background I talked about the the parents. She sees the the, the a vision of her parents' death and they go missing, and then she's you know part of the the, the new mutants. Um, after her her grandfather kind of calls in a favor with with Xavier. Mm-hmm. Um, but she develops quickly. Like so, there's a big um fight the new mutants take part of in Asgard. And while she's stranded there, she finds a winged horse trapped in like barbed wire and mud and stuff. Wow. And she frees the animal and she rides it and doesn't realize that the 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 animal that she's rescued is the the uh the I can't think of the word. It is a Valkyrie's ride basically mm. and by sitting on and riding and helping and saving this this horse brightwind and becoming the new rider she becomes a valkyrie of myth mm. she becomes in, endowed with asgardian abilities the valkyrie power to perceive and sense the coming death of someone near her yeah and she also gains the ability to do physical battle with death itself in order to save a mortal soul um and yeah so it turns danny into this really unique character she she's kind of a cross between this like as guardian mystic powered character but also has mutant powers mm. so she has this connection to asgard and to hella the queen of the dead but also to the x-men and then because now she's 
she's from this very proud um, tr- uh, tribe. Mm. This history from this proud Native American tribe. They take note. They they her um, spirits and gods take notice and go. Hang on. Uh, you should be you should belong to us not to asgard mm. so there's this all these different kind of competing things going on with her with her time and her abilities and stuff she actually leaves the new mutants to spend a bit more time in asgard um and then she comes back working as an agent of shield when the new mutants kind of get dissolved and turned into x-force uh, and work for cable mm. Danny comes back. She's not part of that. She's actually an undercover agent working to take down a cell of mutant terrorists. So she goes undercover and joins these terrorists. And her old teammates are like, you've become an awful terrorist? (laughs) Um, But it turns out she's actually working undercover for S.H.I.E.L.D. She gets kind of... um, She loses her Valkyrie powers. And then when the Scarlet Witch tries to wipe out all mutants, Mm. M-Day, Danny loses her mutant powers as well. Um, but despite that, she continues to kind of fight alongside the X-Men and her old New Mutants teammates and stuff. Um, and she she becomes she ends up becoming like quite a trusted member of Cyclops's inner circle when he's running the mutant settlement of Utopia in San Francisco. Um, one of the coolest moments with Danny Moonstar is um, there's this period of time when Norman Osborn is running S.H.I.E.L.D. and has his own dark Avengers full of supervillains. But they're pretending to the general public that they're good guys. (laughs) The X-Men get drawn into this war with Osborn's dark Avengers. Mm. And Cyclops displays during this his war general battle tactics like never before. One of Osborn's most dangerous soldiers in this evil Avengers is the Greek god of war Ares. Who serves as like essentially the Thor of that team? Wasn't he um, the bad guy in the Wonder Woman film as well? Like the different Ares. Uh, yeah, I guess so because yeah. Ares isn't owned by Marvel. Yeah. So knowing that they're going up against the the Dark Avengers will mean the X Men have to take on essentially a god. Cyclops is like, that's a problem. Right before we actually go into combat, he sends Danny Moonstar to strike a deal with Hela. The Asgardian god of death. And basically it's in exchange for the mutant community becoming in debt to Hela and owing Hela a big favour. Mm. Um, Cyclops petitions for Hela to bless Danny and return her to the powerful status of an Asgardian Valkyrie. So in the middle of this awesome battle, uh, the super cool moment, Danny rides in on a winged horse with a Asgardian sword and beats the crap out of Ares in Mortal Kombat. It's um, very, very cool. Yeah. That down, does sound awesome. Iliana and Danny are locked in separate solitary confinement cells, and that night, Iliana and Danny suffer from vivid hallucinations. Iliana sees a creeping figure in a smiling mask, while Danny sees a red-eyed beast lunging at her from the dark. When Danny wakes up in a panic, Raze enters the cell to discover that Danny's hands are covered in blood. Cleaning Danny up, Raze tells her that it's very important that they find out what Danny's power is. It's... I've mentioned before that they're using psychological horror tropes, but my feeling of it, they never lean into it too much. It's like they're trying to balance, having this balancing act between superhero, coming-of-age, team drama, and psychological horror. 
I think that's probably at the heart of all the problems that have been going on with this movie. Yeah. I think you've probably had people at Fox who went, oh, cool, this will be a new X-Men thing yeah. with teens. And then other people going, no, 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 that's like it has to be about the the horror theme. Yeah. And then it's bounced between the two and, you know, they've just made something... Um, you know, watered down because they've not picked a lane. It's a naff plate spinning act, it feels like. So, obviously, very strange stuff happening to Danny here. Is there anything like this in the comics? Yeah, Danny's, like, haunted by horrible visions and and, and nightmares of death um, for the, the first full year of the New Mutants comics. Like, in her dream, she's, like, attacked and stalked by this horrifying thing that she thinks killed her parents the demon bear um and it appears to her several times um talking to her like it appears as a cloud in the shape of a bear and talks to her and taunts her and shows up in her nightmares and one time she's fights it off in her nightmares and then she wakes up um and thinking or hoping it was just a dream but finds that there's blood on her hands and on her knife as well Mm. so yeah, similar to this, waking up from a dream at discovering part of it actually happened. Yeah, yikes. While sat in a confessional booth, Rain experiences a voice shouting at her, calling her a witch. Later, the group of mutants gather in an interrogation room and take turns playing with the lie detector machine, answering the rest of the group's questions as a high-stakes way of bonding. The next morning... The mutants have a group session with Raze and Sam, expressing his desire to leave the hospital. Raze is quick to remind him that his powers caused the death of several people, with no chance of anyone else outside the hospital believing that it was an accident due to his powers. That night, as Danny and Rain sneak off to share romantic time under the stars, Bobby interrupts Ileana in the swimming pool to try his luck with her, but can't go too far and reveals to Ileana about how he accidentally burnt his girlfriend to death. After Ileana leaves an emotional Bobby to have some alone time in the pool, Bobby is chased out of the pool by a horrifying vision of the burning corpse of his ex-girlfriend reaching out to get him. Alarms suddenly sound, causing Rays to head to the monitor room and Rain to head to the hospital. Entering the pool, everyone sees Bobby engulfed in flames, screaming in pain. Without a moment to lose, Raze forces Bobby into the pool, negating his powers. So I actually quite like this scene. It's nothing amazing, nothing particularly like groundbreaking, but it played out quite nicely. This horrible vision. It was quite ghastly. This horrible burning corpse reaching out in, in a typical horror movie way, but it just, ah, I, I kind of liked it. So this is quite a tragic backstory with Bobby DaCosta obviously we, as we discussed different uh, different to what happened but what can you tell us about the Brazilian you take a look at the, I think the last image I sent you <clears throat> Bobby mm. Bobby's powers look completely different like in this movie he's essentially just the human torch yeah but he's Sunspot in the comics and can you take a look at what he looks like on that front cover the black character yeah he's just uh, a silhouette yeah yeah um, and he has this kind of energy line around, around him he has kind of white air white eyes very white eyes and white kind of mouth but when he gets supercharged by solar energy mm. um he he's yeah non-reflective black yeah um, it's very distinctive and cool and it looks i think it looks a lot cooler than the human torch oh t- and totally agreed 
the decision to just kind of make him just another flame guy in this movie, I think it looks very dull. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he can absorb solar energy and kind of convert it and use it for physical strength, it's, not fire. It's like they took Pyro and went, let's make him a bit more tragic. That's it. Who's Pyro? Which one's which one's the uh, the flame? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Except that guy's never on fire, is he? He controls. Yeah, okay, you got me there. But yeah, yeah. He, he has, but... Um. So, um, ordinarily, to begin with, uh, his sunspot, sunspot, Bobby's kind of superpower is is he absorb he turns um to this kind of black silhouetted character. The mm. sunspot, like a spot on the sun, which which is black. Yeah, that's kind of the point of the why the character looks black. A sunspot is this really odd thing that happens when there's a black spot on the sun. Oh yeah, it's, um, it's a very stark thing to see when you see a picture of a sunspot, and that's yeah. exactly what he looks like here. Except yeah, a lot- it's really it's a it's a very cool design yeah. and ties in nice with the name. Um, but he he doesn't have like um flame powers. He has he absorbs the solar radiation. And it makes him incredibly strong. Um, however, unlike most other superhumanly strong characters, Sunspot like does not have any increased durability or resistance to injury. Um, and a regular thing that he's like bulletproof, nothing. So a regular thing that is said throughout like the original series is, "Careful, Bobby, you're strong. You're not invulnerable." Yeah. Because when he gets into a fight, he can hit you really, really hard. But if you're super powered and you hit him, he'll probably die. Um, <laughs> so it's a unique kind of uh, balance of of that weakness and strength. Um, he does get experimented on it at some point, though, uh, in the mid-90s, and his powers get kind of supercharged, and he he ends up with um, a huge amount of other abilities then. Um, and uh, he kind of... He then is... Uh, invul- he has this kind of level of invulnerability, or durability anyway, um, and he can also release the solar radiation, solar energy, in like concussive blasts and things like that. Um, and he's immune to all fire and heat and stuff. For a period of time, Sunspot becomes lost in the space-time continuum mm. after some time travel shenanigans with Cable. Um, and during this time. A mutant terrorist called Rainfire appears, um, who wears a mask, but is remarkably like he—he is—he has this same silhouette appearance as Sunspot. Um, Danny Moonstone infiltrates the terrorist group that Rainfire is a leader of, sees him without his mask, and and basically says, "Oh my God, it's it's Sunspot. It's my friend Bobby." And in battle with X Force, Rain Rainfire even removes his mask and reveals him self to be sunspot um so it's it's believed that this is a twisted version of bobby when he was lost in the time stream um and it takes uh it it takes cable kind of um using his telepathy to uh purge this this kind of odd odd version of bobby and, and and get basically get sunspot back um yeah it's it was a it was a cool kind of uh a cool kind of period of time um and a a pretty of a a cool kind of twist that time traveling shenanigans of um of cable's involvement with the these new mutants the the x-force kids mm. um 
another big aspect, you know, he came into much more prominence later on. Roberto, Bobby, Roberto, like, like I wouldn't call him Bobby, I must call him Roberto. Old Roberto. Um, he inherits from his, when his dad passes away, he inherits his father's vast wealth and companies. Um, and he, him and Sam both join the Avengers um, at one stage. And Bobby basically, you know the, um, the beekeepers aim the advanced idea mechanics. I like the fact you said beekeepers, just so I to picture them. Sorry, so you can picture them. So you can picture them. Yeah, you're, you're helping me because if you just said aim, it would have taken me a bit longer to picture them. But I know aim. I know what they look like. But thank you for beekeepers. They are a terrorist organization who um, use their advanced science to build dangerous powerful weapons and things that are used by hydra um and the secret empire and all sorts of other uh, bad guys around the world and then aim became like an outfit on their own they built modok and they decided mm. to try and take over the world well bobby DeCosta uses his vast wealth to perform a hostile takeover of aim and turns it from the advanced idea mechanics into the Avengers idea mechanics. <laughs> and he like clears out all the bad guys and hires various superheroes um, and forms a new Avengers team Ooh. that he's in charge of. Um, it involves Hawkeye's part of it and um, some, some younger heroes as well. Um, and S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of sends along... Like, Hawkeye's there because he's representing S.H.I.E.L.D., Mm. And Dum Dum Duggins there as well. And they like to keep an eye on this team because it's like this guy, we don't know. Do we trust this guy? He was an X-Men and he was hide, he's hide all these like it's people like Squirrel Girls on the team and Hulkling and Wiccan from the Young Avengers and Squirrel Girl and things like that. She's popped up a few times online. I don't know if we're ever gonna see her in the MCU till a while for quite some time. No idea. No idea. Not really that much of a like, character worth talking about. Yeah. Really. I know you want to talk about it because there's some little snippet clip things that are out there on meme pages that look really funny, don't they? They, they, they look but, funny, but it's like, oh, she 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 has the was it the power to talk to squirrels and has a Something big like tail. That. Anyway, like, that's fun. But back to Bobby. Back to Bobby. <laughs> he um, so Hawkeye and Dum Dum Duggan are like, we're going to keep an eye on this guy, and then after a while, they're like. You know what, Shield? This guy's actually earned our respect and trust. He's actually doing a really good job. And they reveal to Sunspot that, yeah, we're 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 plants. Shield have sent us to spy on you, but we think you're doing a pretty good idea. <laughs> um, yeah, and then and then he uh, he upscales the the, the the team. It goes. It becomes the American intelligence mechanics, and they kind of get folded into the U.S. government. And Sun, Sunspot then starts to lead the U.S. Avengers, um, which is like a government-sponsored version of the Avengers mm. with uh, Sun, Bobby in, in the lead. And at this stage, Bobby takes a, kind of a couple of new identities. Um, he starts calling himself Citizen V, and then later Citizen X, which um, are kind of quite patriotically... They have a lot of history of patriotism, superhero thingies behind those two identities and um yeah a very odd journey for for bobby oh, i can imagine i can imagine the next morning rays runs some tests on danny trying to figure out what happened the night danny's reservation was destroyed danny tells the doctor how she was running from a demon bear before having terrible visions of the hospital's previous patients 
Meanwhile, Rain is in the shower and sees the priest who branded the W on her shoulder. Alarmed that she killed this man, screaming in terror, Rain runs, starts to transform into a wolf as the priest brands her a second time. Everyone hears her screams and rushes to find her. Opening the shower, a wolf emerges before turning back into Rain, shivering on the floor with a freshly branded W burning into her neck. Very dark, very intense scene here with Rain again. Psychological film tropes. Is this something they created for the movie? Was she was she branded? Was she You mentioned she was almost burnt at the stake, wasn't she? Yeah, the the, the branding scene mm. uh is kind of invented for this movie, yeah. but all there are darker Rain stuff in the comics, much darker. Yeah. Um so yeah, she, she the the Reverend Reverend Craig who raised her mm. um leads this mob to try and kill her when he finds out she's a mutant. Oh. Um later she goes back and confronts the Reverend as an adult and she learns that Reverend Craig is actually her biological father. Mm. That her mother was a sex worker and that Reverend Craig wanted nothing to do with you know, he was ashamed of what he'd done and everything. Yeah. Um Rain's like strict religious upbringing like causes a lot of tension for her she's very very shy especially around boys Mm. um she's not had much dealings with the opposite sex as a kid and now she's on a team with two of them and you know she develops feelings for for sam and doesn't know how to handle it doesn't have to be around him there's not really any much of a um you know there's a nice relationship in this movie between her and and danny isn't it Um, yeah but that's not really something we see in the comics um but she she's also really uncomfortable around uh, Ilyana and uh, the demon anything to do with demons and magic. She's she also has like this whole self loathing about her own mutant powers mm. because she feels that the transforming into a werewolf is like evil and sinful and it's that she has the mark of the devil on her. She believes, because she was told that, that that her power is actually a manifestation of Satan. Um, And that puts her at odds with the intense feelings of joy that she feels when she's in her wolf form. Mm. Um, She's never happier or freer than when she is a wolf. Um, When they spend, when when the New Mutants spend time in Asgard, she finds herself attracted to a shape-shifting wolf prince called uh, Hrimhari. 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 Um, an Asgardian shape-shifting wolf prince. Um, and he becomes like her first serious love, although she chooses not to kind of stay with him because she doesn't know what that means. Um, and she has... She try, she, she's attracted to, to Sam, but that never happens. She has a, 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 a kind of an ill-fated relationship with another mutant called Cypher. But it's all hindered by her very religious upbringing. Um, she doesn't remain part of the team when the new mutants become X-Force mm. um, under Cable's leadership. Instead, she joins a government-sponsored mutant team called X-Factor. Mm. Um working for the government quite almost an x-files inspired team it's pretty fun and cool (laughs) there's a big storyline in the 90s in in 1990 itself in fact called extinction agenda during that time rain is kidnapped and mentally controlled by these 
horrifying kind of genetical genetic engineers and scientists um, in the nation of Genosha who are making mutant slaves, um, creating a second class citizen slave race um, using brainwashing and and gene tampering and stuff. They turn Rain into a literal bloodhound who becomes a wolf that tracks down other mutants Uh, for them to capture and enslave. Very clever. And once that story is over, Rain struggles to fully shake this conditioning, this brainwashing, this mental control that she's in. She has to stay in her half-wolf form Mm. um, for many, many years because if she turns completely into a human... That causes her to revert to her slave kind of um, identity that had been imposed on her. Oh, I see. I see. So the big, yeah. lots of conflict going on there. X Factor is a very cool series. That's that's um, some re- that's some real good nuance there in terms of personality, mm. how how you present yourself to the world and how you feel. Oh, yeah, and just that's really good. Um, that kind of bonding gets undone. That Genosian kind of like mind control gets undone. Um, and she joins Excalibur in um in who are based on Muir Island, Scotland, and kind of goes back to you know, Moira McTaggart's kind of her, her adopted parent, mm. I guess, but she kind of goes back and works with Colossus and Kitty Pride in X Factor and she kind of really grows as a character in that series. Her shame about her wolf form kind of goes and her shyness around you know, uh, men and 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 big cities and stuff kind of goes as well, mm. and she becomes more of a kind of developed person. Good. During the Messiah Complex event, however, something very dark happens to her. This big storyline called the Messiah Complex Cyclops. So Scarlet Witch wipes out mutants during M Day, mm. and then the very first new mutant is born. There's only one that's been born in years in the in the Marvel Universe. And that sets off this huge, like, war. All these different factions want to find the child and con- control it. Um, and the X-Men ha- want to be the first because the other option is terrorists, evil mutants, or mutant-hating um, human terrorists. Cyclops forms this black ops team <laughs> comprised of... <laughs> his best trackers and killers, um, all under Wolverine's leadership. This is the new version of X-Force. And due to her feral powers and wolf tracking abilities, Rain is put on this team. Um, And this version of X-Force encounter the Purifiers, who are like um, paramilitary terrorist group that hate mutants. Mm. They're formed by William Stryker, who we've met in in X-Men 2. Yes, yes. And they're hell bent on on making sure they kill this new baby mutant that's been born. Mm. Um, and Rain is kidnapped by the Purifiers and learns that her father, Reverend Craig, is now a high ranking member Ooh. of the mutant hunting terrorists. And he subjects Rain to a brutal brainwashing process, which manages to succeed in unleashing her unfettered feral side, mm. but making her wolf very loyal. Um, to the purifiers in this state she attacks her own teammates she even rips angel's wings from his body which nearly kills him um wow she she battles this brainwashing she's attacked by her own father and she flips and her 
because of what they've done to try and unleash her feral side, mm. the purifiers, it really flips this kind of pure animalistic switch in rain. And when her X Force teammates finally discover her, they find her weeping and praying in the purifiers' church, covered in her father's blood. And there is no body to be found. She has gone so feral, she killed and ate her own father while she was in her wolf form. And um, it's all they can do to hope that she is so far gone, she never ever remembers doing that. Yeah. Um, She later, kind of as part of her recovery, reconnects with uh, Harem Harry, her Asgardian wolf prince. and um, they have a a, 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 a a brief fling, and she becomes pregnant and gives birth to a part Asgardian wolf prince, part mutant child, who was adopted by Jack Russell, werewolf by night. <laughs> All the wolfies together. Uh, that's I, I, I want to quote The Simpsons, and I suppose everything's wrapped up in a neat little package. What, sure. What a, he knows. He knows what it's like to be a wolf person. That's incredible. Uh, of course, looking forward to see uh, potentially seeing Jack Russell in Werewolf by Night. Yeah, our Halloween uh, MCU special. I'm Eve, I'm looking forward to every actor in the scenes keeping a straight face while calling him Jack Russell. I don't even know if they're going to use that name. I've no idea. I know it's Werewolf by Night. Yeah, but they might. They might go. That's an odd name, or we'll change it. Yeah, I I agree. But we'll get the full history of the hip-swinging 70s cat. Remember what he said? My tag's Jack Russell. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait till people make fun of the way we talk. Uh, back to the film. Ileana accuses Danny of causing the visions to happen and uses her powers to strangle Danny. But Danny subconsciously fights back with powers. She had no idea she had the power of illusion. <laughs> the power of illusion. You did that in 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 my mind. I heard it in in uh, Will Arnett's voice from Arrested yes. Development. Illusions, Michael. Tricks are a thing a whore does for money. That was a very good Will Arnett impression. <laughs> uh, causing Ileana to see the smiley man again and panic, allowing Rays to sedate her. Later, Rays consults her employees, the Essex Corporation who instruct her to collect Danny, Danny's DNA and then euthanize her. I like the way the hospital visions, she sees visions that ha- uh, like happen to previous people in the hospital, and the way it's done, like uh, with, with a moving camera and almost fisheye lens, it looked like leaked footage of something that actually happened. Yeah, it was neat. It, a neat little, you know, it's it, it's a different kind of camera thing that we've not seen in, in the movie so far. And yeah. You know, a little bit of invention going on. It, it felt like a cheap way of doing it, but it worked for me. I, I think it hit harder, which was it, it, quite an interesting touch. So, Danny, I assume she has illusion powers like this in the comics? Yeah. I don't know if you... I mean, well, her, her, her... It's weird. She's one of the few that I never really think of their, their kind of X-Men name. Her mm. X-Men name is uh, Mirage. Um Although I think I don't know if anyone uses that, she's really just Danny. She, I mean, her surname Moonstar is just so cool. Yeah, like why would you need a uh, a mutant name if you're Moonstar? Do you know what that reminds me of? Uh, do you know Alice Cooper's real name? 
Oh, I can't. I can't remember it now. But it's it is it's cool, isn't it? Vince Vernier, which is a yeah. way cooler name than Alice Cooper. <laughs> so, so Danny's ability is to manifest people's worst nightmares um, as these kind of yeah illusions or visions or whatever to show them to other people. And to begin with, it's or she has absolutely no control over it. Um, it's it happens against the will of both her and the other person. Mm. Um, she she can't she project it without without thinking. It causes huge tension within the group. Mm. Like you don't want to be around someone that it's just going to suddenly show you the thing you fear the most in the world. Yeah, and in the case like in the first issue of the New Mutants, in the case of her original teammate Karma, um, she manifests a vision showing. Um, karma's sexual assault for everyone to see oh, and karma's no. truly horrifying thing for anyone to be forced to revisit and then project for everyone to see and she flips out and danny and it's like you did it on purpose yeah. and like so people there's not a lot of trust going on yeah. and people don't even if they people don't want to be around her um you know she showed she accidentally showed her parents their own deaths yeah. which drove them to abandon her to try and save her from the same fate. They left her behind with her grandfather, and off they went, an action which ended up directly leading to their very deaths. Mm. Um, would that have ever happened if she hadn't shown them how they're going to die? Complicated. Um, after a couple of years, a few years, Danny also starts to begin manifesting illusions of people's secret desires as well as their fears. Um she 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 learns to control it yeah um and briefly she gets super super her powers get super powered and she could actually make her illusions become a, a reality mm. in the physical world whatever you fear the most she can turn into a real thing that will happen to you um and she would then have to so so what what would your biggest fear be oh giant spider thing god um Dying alone? No, I, I, I'm trying to think. I used to have a your really... cats eating your face. They're not going to do that. They're my babies. Mm, yeah. No, I, I used to have a really intense fear of like dead bodies, like rotten corpses. Like if I saw it film, but then I think. Oh, I wonder why Mr. Resident Evil man's got that. In I his was head. just about to say. I think through playing Resident Evil, it lessened. <laughs> so if if Danny was if you were fighting Danny, she would be able to. Mm create zombies that would come to life yeah. to come and kill you yeah, like like the most hot, like 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 beyond horrific basically almost demon-esque but she then could get rid of them mm. by kind of um she would throw is an arrow or a spear made of like her psychic energy mm. and once it would strike them they would turn back into illusions and vanish from the world mm. so it wasn't like she was always unleashing absolute horrors into the world she could had some sort of control over them but that kind of 3d that you know making the illusions come true didn't really last mm. um she also has like this quasi telepathic talent um that allows her to form a, a rapport with animals ah. so she can communicate with her her winged horse bright wind when she was a valkyrie um and she can share a um a mental link with rain when rain's in her wolf form 
Oh, that's cool. not when she's not when she's in a human form, but when she's a wolf, she can see through her eyes and communicate with her and stuff like that. No, that's cool. It's like when you turn Bluetooth on on a phone. Exactly <laughs> like that. It's yeah. like it's basically Bluetooth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, uh, we get uh, the Essex Corporation mentioned here. Uh, I, I'm pretty much clear who, who, who that's supposed to be referring to. Could you could you let us know what the significant thing is here? You're only you're only clear though because it came up in your production notes. Though. Well, no, 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 because I actually read the Wikipedia entry for the character it referred, and we've we've talked about this before. We've talked about it, and I knew about the what was it at the end of X Men Apocalypse? There was the post uh, credit sequence, and immediately went online as what does this name mean? So I know, the, um, I know. Essex is the name that uh, is used by the, the twisted X Men foe, Mister Sinister. Yes. Um, you might be familiar with him; featured a lot in the '90s cartoon series. Mm. He's a uh, always experimenting with mutant DNA and brainwashing people. Does a lot of um, manipulation behind the scenes. He looks genuinely horrific he, as well. Even as a cartoon, he just looks horrible. Yeah, it's the it's the I think it's the pale face, the painted red lips, and that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's he's. Yeah. He's obsessed with Scott Summers and Jean Grey um, for very complex reasons we'll get to at some point. Mm. Um, Mr. Sinister actually began life as an ordinary human, a scientist called Nathaniel Essex, who was a contemporary of Charles Darwin in the 1800s. Over his long life, he's kind of changed his form and his face and his name several times but he often uses Essex as the name of the companies and the outfits and stuff that he kind of works through and works for that makes sense uh, back to the film I was I was almost tempted to do it I was actually almost tempted to do a quip about him being called Essex but having a pale face which is quite the opposite if you're from Essex because of fake tans and stuff oh yeah fake of course t- yeah Pretty good. Wow, that would have been quite good if I delivered it as a really quippy joke instead of explaining the bones of it. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to the film. Uh, Danny approaches Rain about her vision of the hospital and tells her that she doesn't think that this is actually in hospital, but in fact something far more sinister. Rays collects Danny and straps the young mutant to a gurney before wheeling her off to a solitary room. However, as Ray's straps hospital equipment to Danny, Danny starts to panic, causing her illusion powers to go into overdrive. Liana starts seeing herself as a child, hiding under the bedsheets as a smiley man creeps up on the child. Iliana yells at the monstrous figure, which takes off its mask, revealing a terrifying face underneath before giving chase. Another smiley man tries to sneak up on Bobby, but the mutant uses his power to blast the apparition across the room. Before Rays can start extracting Danny's blood, Rain bursts into the room through a vent and attacks the doctor. Ray's escapes through the corridors in a panic, leaving Sam and Ileana to face the smiley men alone. Backed into a corner, Sam uses his powers to take out three of them in one blast. First of all, uh, there's a lot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer on TV in this film. Uh, who, was, who, was, who were the really weird people in Buffy the Vampire Slayer who wore suits? The gentlemen. The gentlemen. I think that the smiley men are a slight reference to them. They're wearing suits as well, but I, I have to. What, what's the what's the other stuff? What are the other Buffy elements in this? The other, well, there's what the supernatural and stuff going on, and teenagers in an old building. <laughs> All right, 
So, uh, Stranger Things is Buffy, though. No, I mean, like, uh, is it, I mean, every time in the film where you see a TV, they're watching TV, it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, so I, right. I, I, I must have missed that. Yeah, every, it's, it's like quickly, and I, I just couldn't look up. away. You saw Buffy the Vampire Slayer on TV, and I went, oh, my God, it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Why are they watching? And they're watching it on a 4-3 ratio CRT TV. It makes you think, wow, they oh. didn't invest in LD, LCD TVs here. They must have had Jesus this since Christ. the 80s. Jesus Christ. Is that... Is, what? <laughs> that might be the most boring sentence I have ever heard in my life. You know, that was full partridge. That, that, that was telescopic dampeners partridge. Telesco- but you know, what, you know what a CRT TV is, don't you? Mate, what are you doing? C- come on. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm, I'm just trying to make it look like... that. Well, proving <laughs> that you're just going, oh, I'm not hanging around with a weirdo, even though exactly you know what I'm saying. A CRT television is basically the old TVs before they became flat screen. That's what they used to be. They're cathode ray tube televisions, CRT. You'll be finishing a bit, folks. Don't worry. Um, we'll get back to the thing uh, in a minute after we go through technical specifications of old tellies. Are we... Are we done? Are we... I've done. I, hopefully you remember that oh, term if I ever use the man it again. From, the man from Tandy's is done. Man from <laughs> Oh, oh my lord! Oh my lord! Radio rentals, not an ear, lord. God, not an ear. that really hit me. That really hit me in my childhood. There, Tandy's. Jeez, God. Anyway, uh, that's that's that. Um, also, on a more, on a, on a different tone, completely. The smiley. There's man. a. T- just to go back, there's a rule of thumb. Yeah. Right. In um, in 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 movies, is that. In your movie, you should never show the audience a clip from a better movie, right? The, the, the this comes out mm. uh, because it makes it. The, the, I've read about this. There's a, there's, a, there's a Woody Allen movie called um, "Play It Against Sam," which references Casablanca all the way through. Yeah. It. Now, Casablanca is obviously a far, far, far superior movie to um, "Play It Against Sam," but it, in the context of that movie, it works. Mm. And a lot of you know movie critics came up around that time and said, "This is the one time you can do it." Any other movie, do not have them watching something better yeah. than the current thing you're showing because they'll just go, I really wish I was watching that. And this might suffer from that. If I was them, the last thing I want to make my audience think of was Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> which is vastly superior to whatever they're offering here. Uh, also, play it against Sam, one of the few Woody Allen films I've actually seen. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a giggle. Uh, the Smiley Men... The Smiley Men are genuinely terrifying. They they got this kind of horrible uh, Slender Man thing going on, and then you realise what the subtext is, and it's even more horrible. They've got the uh, when you see their hands, so basically their faces are like typical, like they they've got no eyes, big gnashing teeth, and they they're wearing black suits and they're grasping out to you. It's a very nightmarish thing you'd imagine as a child or as a teenager that kind of very primal figure but you are this obviously the smiley men are there uh because what happened apparently i read into this basically when she the whole idea is when she was abused uh as a child as a sex slave the people who would abuse her would wear these smiley masks and obviously she she, she doesn't see them as people but as monsters as from her from her deep deep in her mind is that ever a thing? In the, is that I, ever talked about in this movie it's, at all? It's one of those things that's heavily implied, and I get it, and I read into it. I read into it, uh, obviously. 
because because I, I i i twigged onto it when i see what they're doing here uh you see like their hands and like the back of their necks they got russian gang tattoos which cements it further cements this feel further so it's like not only are they just horrible to look at and they're quite all oh, they're, they're quite creepy they represent what happened to her and who she how she sees them in her mind subconsciously that bit i got it's the idea that uh, i there was i don't i didn't get any kind of they put on silly masks to do it i i didn't get uh, any of that uh, from this i i read it well i read somewhere, yeah, I read somewhere. so it the was, movie didn't do his job properly the, you're going to use your catchphrase all it took was a line of dialogue a line of dialogue line of dialogue explain this apparently i have to go into it i have to read deep into it instead of letting the film do it for me anyway let's talk about sam guthrie <laughs> let's move on and talk about him from this awkward conversation about cathode ray tubes and smiling men um so you want to know more about him i'm guessing i do i've already explained cathode ray tubes let's let you bore me now he joins the Hellfire Club after developing his powers because there is nowhere else to turn wow. because Professor Xavier is out of the mutant game. Uh, and then at the end, he uh, he discovers he turns on the, the Hellfire Club, refusing to kind of like get involved in this attack on children. And then he goes off to to learn from Professor X. He becomes very close friends with um, Bobby very quickly mm. as they're kind of like the outnumbered dudes on the team. Um, three girls and two of them and he also develops this kind of brotherly affection for rain she needs a little a lot of looking after and he takes that role on um but kind of unaware and uninterested that she also has romantic feelings for him Mm. um and that becomes you know a, a little bit of tension there um uh, Cannonball is his is his name, his uh, mutant pseudonym, and 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 Sam and and Danny become like the co leaders of the new mutants, um, and uh, it's a bit of push and pull into who's doing what at any one time. His powers, like he he creates this kind of energy which is used to thrust his body and, and propel him through the air like a rocket, um, great heights and great speeds and. He has considerable maneuverability after, you know, learning how to do it. He can control his speed and his direction just through thinking about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he later discovers that the energy manifests as this impenetrable and indestructible blast field mm. that protects him while he's blasting. Once he stops and lands and he stops moving, he's a normal person. But when he's blasting, nothing can kind of hurt him. <clears throat> okay sam state sam's this in the in his whole time in, in in comics he's one of these characters that really is allowed the chance to kind of grow um and develop and is mainly uh, sometimes towards the end because he's a character that doesn't have the spotlight on him um so they can do take bigger leaps with him but he stays with the team throughout all their battles and wild adventures and he's part of the team that starts to then follow Cable mm. and becomes X Force. And under Cable, he's molded into much more of a soldier, trained to use his powers in like an offensive and defensive way. With more discipline learns that as he well. can yeah, yeah. Learns that he can use his blast shield to absorb um kinetic energy from anything attacking him and make himself stronger. And he becomes Cable's like he becomes the field commander like the 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 leader in the field leader of the x-force like cables in charge but when they're out in the field 
Sam is the one calling the shots, and he's like, he learns loads from Cable. Mm. Um, and he spends years with X Force, who are kind of like the mutant. They're, 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 like, they're hunted by S.H.I.E.L.D., they're, they're rebels, they're not on the same page as Xavier. There's a lot of tension between X Force and the X Men. Mm. But then eventually, when that kind of resolves itself after several kind of big events and crossover events together Sam is welcomed back into the Xavier family and he's essentially promoted um, to becoming a fully fledged member of the X-Men, the main team I have really strong memories of the issue where that happens it really felt to me as a teenager Mm. like I was watching the progression of this character that I'd read for years and that he'd been the teenager and the kid, and now he was, he was, and he was leaving. Or like the whole issue, I don't think there's a fight in this issue. There's no action. It's like Sam saying goodbye to X Force and to Cable, and saying thank you to certain people, and all, all sorts of other like personal dramas are going on as well. But it's it's almost like a graduation issue. Mm. And then I I had the same issue the next month or whatever, where of X Men, where Sam joins the X Men for the first time, and I was like, wow, this is this is. It didn't feel like a thing that happened a lot as a kid. This is like a New Mutants X-Force character leaving the title he's known for yeah. and going to like a completely different kind of like franchise almost. It's like when it was, in football, when the under-18s team then get picked to play for like the under-21s. Yeah, the farm teams. The farming, stuff, yeah. yeah, the farm teams. That's what we'd say, yeah. So over the years, um, a lot of Sam's brothers and sisters from the Guthrie family have also developed mutant powers. Um, They become characters called Husk, Arrow, Icarus, and Jeb. Um, And that kind of makes the Guthrie family really special in the eyes of Xavier and the X-Men and the mutant community because that's a really unusual thing in Marvel, Mm. like to all come from one family. They're seen as a very special family. Um, And all the siblings go to learn from the Xavier schools and... It became. I remember it becoming like a like a regular pilgrimage. The um, the the Xavier's staff would go down to the farm every couple of years and see which next member of the Guthrie family was going to get powers. Um, and then it was also revealed. So there's this period of time where Sam Guthrie Cannonball might be an immortal and unkillable higher class of mutant do you have different classes of mutant to take it like the actual they're laid out so to speak let's just get on with this okay i'm (laughs) interested in classes another distraction okay okay? okay. Uh, it might be an immortal unkillable different class of mutant Mm. called an external Mm. so while he's with x-force cannonball is impaled and killed during a clash with the brotherhood of mutants definitely dead no pulse heart stopped brain dead but a few minutes later, fully heals. Cable reveals after Cable's kind of talked about being he's a he's from a, a future ruled by apocalypse. Mm. He explains that he's got a lot of knowledge about this sort of stuff and thinks that Cannonball Sam is an external, a very rare type of mutant that is virtually immortal and virtually unkillable. Mm. And there are a number of them scattered around the world. Only a small handful, like maybe four or five. Um, And we see the other externals on Earth kind of reacting to one of them waking up 
very Highlander-esque. Ah. Um, and so two of these other externals, Saul and Gideon, also believe and express that Sam is a new member of the externals, a new one of them. Now, the this was meant to be a long, ongoing storyline. There's a lot of this to go on, right? Like, there's a, a whole thing with the Infernals as well. There's a whole other thing with the Lost Summer's brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, around this period of time in the 90s, like, plot points were meant were, were started by one writer, meant to go on and then be resolved down the line, and it never happens. <laughs> so the, the Externals is one of them. It's a concept created by... Rob Leefield, the writer-artist who created Deadpool. And if mm. you've listened to our Deadpool episode, you might know that Leefield has a big habit of making up cool plot points that are meant to be resolved and then executing it without ever thinking about how it's going to be resolved, where it's leading to, if it's going to have a conclusion. So this immortal thing just kind of gets abandoned. Another ex-writer comes along and has has it basically has through conversation a bunch of externals say oh no 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 well one external say no 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 sam has never been an external don't know why you'd think that there's been no evidence so you go oh that's over and then a few years later sam is gunned down shot three times in the chest heals within hours leading to hank mccoy the beast to say to assume it's because he is immortal in that uh, in that way that we all sort of knew he was so it 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 becomes it's never been revisited as far as i'm aware mm. um it's it's unfortunately the externals were quite a co- i remember thinking they were a cool concept when i was a kid yeah. but that was also because i loved highlander as well <laughs> um so there was this I it, it was I thought it was cool that it made Sam extra special when he doesn't have the most amazing powers and you know he was kind of much like a, a lovable regular guy this idea that he had this special connection to Cable mm. and the future and he could live and live and live and Cable even wondered if he was someone that he already knew from the future um, did he live that long and become one of the externals and stuff it was kind of neat yeah but it never like- goes anywhere um. And then outside of that, Sam kind of comes and goes from various X-teams. He goes back to X-Force, and he then starts teaching New Mutants as well. And he ends up leaving, becoming disillusioned with the X-Men. And, mm. like, he, 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 he grows up, he gets married and has a kid, not kind of involved in mutants. And, and I think there's a, a bit of dialogue when he's reunited with some of his old New Mutants comrades. And he's like, I, like, I want to teach my kids to, like not hurt anyone and and make sure there's lesser lesser lessen the suffering in the world without necessarily putting on a costume and like going to punch people Mm. he kind of like almost comes full circle and does this thing of he's really grown and kind of basically gone i think i've grown out of the x-men i don't think it's a necessary thing i think i want to live on the farm and kind of do this for a while yeah yeah that makes sense it doesn't last nothing ever lasts in comics but and and seeing him now back in the costume and back being a superhero again is a little disheartening for me, but because I really felt like I'd kind of been on a bit of a journey with Sam. You know, he was I was a teenager and he was a teenager and it kind of, you know, felt like there was seeing him grow up was interesting and cool and it's kind of a shame it doesn't last that way, but that's the nature of comics. Indeed. As Sam and Bobby try to escape up the stairs, Ileana emerges from a portal and slices up the smiley men descending the staircase. 
Inside Ray's office, the mutants go through the doctor's paperwork and discover that they were going to be trained by the Essex Corporation to be assassins. They all realise that in order to escape, they must kill Ray's to deprive the force fields of their power source. They find and confront Ray's, who warns them that Danny is too powerful and will destroy them all. Ray's restricts them all with force fields and tries again to kill Danny by asphyxiating her with a force field, which unleashes the Demon Bear. Danny's own fears manifested through her power and the true cause of her reservation's destruction on her. Ray's is devoured and Danny rendered unconscious. So we keep mentioning the Demon Bear. Does it appear like this in the comics? Not sort of, but not really. Um, Danny in, in, in has been like had these visions and nightmares for like a year, and, and really believes the demon bear is coming for her. So she does start to train uh, in the danger room with her, without her mutant powers, with just a bow and arrow, like. And, and this danger room creation she's like basically starts to this training program to get her to fight big bears mm. um and how she can kill it without her powers and stuff doesn't tell any of the others her other teammates what's going on with her and, and why she's so obsessed with killing bears yeah. um she eventually gets to the stage where she feels it has to happen and she's ready and she goes out to uh Outside the mansion, alone in the snow, and like summons the 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 demon bear to fight, and it does arrive. Um, and she she uses her power on it to reveal its greatest fear, hmm. and its greatest fear is her. Ah, oh, very good. And she's like, oh, so is that why you're after me? And she shoots it with arrow. Anyway, it doesn't go very well. The new mutants run outside to find uh, Danny horribly mauled and nearly dead. And they rush her to a uh, a nearby hospital. It's not a big, it's a little hospital uh, where they are kind of in the Greenwich area. They rush her to a nearby hospital for emergency surgery. Um, The prognosis is that she's paralyzed, she'll never walk again. And the demon bear then, with all the new mutants trapped inside the hospital, comes to finish Danny off. And Mm. That's where this big standoff happens between the demon bear, this spirit coming and going into the hospital, trying to kill Danny, the new mutants trying to stop it, and um, it all goes uh, very spookily from there. Spookily. (laughs) As the demon bear pursues the mutants, Rain tries to reach through to Danny's subconscious and urges her to wake up while Ileana uses her powers to travel to Limbo, where she retrieves a glowing sword, armour, and a tiny physical manifestation of Lockheed, the purple dragon puppet she carries, to back... Uh, a perfectly rational sentence to write. I know! I, I didn't know how to write it, because that's literally... It's, like, it's not even worth mentioning the, the puppet before, because it's not... It's, it's so far in the background, but not far enough that... It's mad. It's mad. It's you mad. have to mention it at some point to battle Demon Bear. Eventually, Sam and Bobby join the fight, as well as Rain, all to no avail. Danny is visited by her father's spirit, who encourages her to face her fear. She awakens and confronts Demon Bear, calming and thus dissipating it. As day breaks, the group leaves the now unshielded facility to find the nearest town. That's the end of the film. Uh, A lot happens here. Let's try to break it down. So Ilyana suddenly gets a magic sword, some armor, and a pet dragon that comes to life 
What is going on with Dare? Is this something that happens in the original stories and they had no idea how to jump to that point? Essentially, yes. Also, <laughs> so when Ilyana is in limbo mm. and the demons are twisting and corrupting her soul, yeah, they're turning it into powerful soul stones that they can use to become stronger demons. Mm. When she be able, is able to master her own form of magic and attacks them, she's able to forge these soul stones into a soul sword. It's like the physical manifestation of her own powerful soul, the extension of all her magic and power. And with the soul sword, she destroys the demons and her tormentors, grows horns and a tail for some reason, conquers Limbo. But she kind of leaves that all behind when she comes back to the real world. During this story, when the the, the, the mystic demon bear strikes at Ilyana... Hmm. She unconsciously manifests some of the same battle armor she wore in Limbo to protect herself. Uh-huh. And this keeps happening, and she doesn't know what's going on. She's like, why is part of my arm where the bear hit me? Why is part of my arm metal now? Mm. And it keeps happening during these different strikes and encounters. And then she manifests the soul sword, which is able to disrupt the power um, of the demon bear. So that does happen, but there's context in the comics. Mm. <laughs> As for the purple dragon, yes, we Lockheed. We go back to um, uh, an earlier uncanny X Men story. Kitty Pride has come to read a bedtime story to little girl Ilyana Rasputin before she becomes a teenager. Um, Kitty's a teenager. Ilyana, Colossus's sister, is a little girl. She's reading her a bedtime story, and. Not like the whole comic is the bedtime story, right? Okay. So the the, the 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 writer and the artist turn Kitty's fairy tale story into the the comic. The story she tells recasts the X Men um, in the roles of fairy tale characters, and one character is a giant black dragon named Lockheed. Hmm. Kitty names the giant black dragon after the X-Men's modified Lockheed Blackbird jet aircraft. I was trying to figure that out, because the moment I heard Lockheed, I thought, oh, Lockheed Martin, or, or whatever the, right. company, the, the arms company is. So not long mm. after this bedtime story fairy tale issue, the X-Men are captured by an alien race, taken to a, a, an alien planet, and on this planet... Kitty Pride meets a cat-sized purple dragon mm. that resembles the creature from her fairy tale that she immediately takes a, has affection for and names Lockheed. Great. Lockheed, the purple alien cat dragon, saves Kitty from the aliens, and then when the X-Men leave this alien planet, it stows away with them without any of their knowledge. All of this is way madder than that sentence I read before. <laughs> We're not done. Oh, God. Lockheed, the purple alien cat dragon, hides in the mansion without anyone knowing and lives there for ages and then eventually reveals itself to save Kitty's life from um, an attack by another subsection of aliens called the Sidrian Hunters. Mm. Um, the <laughs> the X-Men like then welcome it and kind of it becomes Kitty's like pet and companion. Um, to a lesser degree... Because of that original story, Lockheed is sort of bonded with Ilania. Mm. 
and occasionally, especially during this this period of time when she's a teenager, occasionally Lockheed accompanies Ilyana um, when she's part of the New Mutants. Okay, so there is a connection, but if you were to, but really Lockheed is Kitty's like pet slash companion. Mm. Um, Lockheed's kind of I've always I've always it's it, it's don't get me wrong it's definitely weird, but nothing <laughs> about Clement's X Men. It all kind of works, like aliens, an alien dragon. It does somehow weirdly kind of work. Um, sure. And it, it accompanies Kitty wherever she goes, Lockheed does, and and um, kind of joins Excalibur with her and then comes back and joins the X-Men. Mm. And they've got this kind of quasi-psychic bond. They kind of know where each other is and always know if they're in danger and stuff. In the um, late 2000s, there's a really fun twist where it's revealed that Lockheed actually is fully as intelligent as a human. (laughs) It's not a cat creature. Has been posing as a pet, and is actually a mole working for an alien intelligence agency called S.W.O.R.D., Sentient World Observation and Response Department. Uh, And in exchange for, like, help with problems on its home world, Lockheed has been spying on the X-Men and passing on certain information back to S.W.O.R.D. Amazing. Um, This revelation, however, does not diminish the special relationship between, um, you know, Lockheed and Kitty. They're still very, very, very close. Mm. Very nice. So, Danny defeats the demon bear by calming it down. Is this how the story ends in the comics? No. It's a big fight because it's a comic book. Big fight. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Danny, you must calm down. <laughs> and then, oh, okay, great. Um, so yeah, in the comics, the bear. Danny's attached is in surgery near death. Danny's like in surgery for the whole thing, mm. so she plays no role in it. The new mutants rush to the to the hospital and all of that, and then the demon bear. Attacks the hospital several times. It corrupts the souls of a nurse and a police officer in the hospital, mm. turning them into its kind of twisted servants that also start to attack the new mutants. And then it teleports everyone to this weird, kind of like almost like the Arizona desert, but it's mm. not. It's this twisted version of the desert, um, which is his own dimension. Um, Ilyana is able to manifest the soul stored, which frees the innocent people. The demon bear's corrupted. Finally, Ilyana stabs the demon bear with a sword, which not only destroys the demon bear, but reveals that all along the demon bear has been Danny's mom and dad. Um, so many, many, many years ago, when they ran off and left Danny because she showed them a vision of them being killed by the demon bear. Mm. They encountered this demonic spirit that corrupted them and forged them together into the demon bear. And then because of their strong emotions for their daughters, the demon bear has been trying to get her ever since. And the parents have been trying to hold it back, but not really succeeding. And so the demon bear was Danny's parents all along. With the kind of evil spirit destroyed, her parents are freed. They're not dead. They're... They're back in the real world. Um, mm. Now, Danny has been paralyzed by the bear's attack, um, but it, it takes a combination of Doctor Strange and a powerful mutant healer to help her regain the use of her legs. Um, 
but she is um, reunited with her with her parents at the end of it all. Um, the super weird thing that happens, though, okay, is the nurse and the police officer that are corrupted by the demon bear. When the demon bear is destroyed and everything is all over and back to normal, they have become Native American even when they were Caucasian to begin with. That's. Do you know what? Do you know what? Okay, a second Simpsons quote of the episode. <laughs> when uh, Lisa goes to do ballet and there's uh, the East German or whatever uh, instructor, he goes, "Yes, you did well." And as as a reward, you now have you, you can now have your cats back. One of the people go. One of the kids go. But I had a dog. Oh, he goes, "He's cat now." <laughs> the explanation for that thing took forever. Sorry, I I I I started <laughs> I was, off thinking, oh, I was, was going to be funny. Ready for a pithy little comment that I wouldn't get, but then a five-minute journey about an episode. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. It was. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll I'll talk about cathode ray tubes next time. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's this super weird. It's it's very cringy and uncomfortable to read in the modern day. I don't even really know what the writer was going for, mm. but it's there. Um, yeah, that, they are I just Native explain. American now. Um, it's 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 not presented as particularly a negative thing. I don't think that the guy. I really don't think the guy is terribly, you know, like, like has a, an agenda against Native Americans or anything. It's just a really weird end to the. And I don't want to send people off to read that comic for them to go. Hey Rob, you know what you never mentioned? <laughs> this really weird racial identity swap that happens at the end. Um, I got nowhere to put it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the end of the movie <laughs> and, and the Demon Bear Saga. Well, there we have it. The uh, New Mutants Marvel's second horror movie or horror-themed movie brought to you for Spooktober. On Marvel versus Marvel, we uh, we pulled the entire movie apart and dug into the histories and the backstory and the trivia of all the characters of the New Mutants. To hand things over to Will now to give his final summations and thoughts on this odd and particular movie. Ah, oh, where do I start? It feels less like the next X Men movie and feels more like the last dying breath of 20th Century's Fox hold onto the film rights. The film doesn't necessarily feel terrible, but it doesn't feel like it has any strength whatsoever. It's like trying to do a superhero teen drama and psychological all in one go, as I said, and fails to do a a, a particularly good job at any of them. Although, to be fair, the third act is the best section of the film, where it manages to lean more into a horror and a superhero affair, just about enough for it to be kind of adequate, but not particularly good i personally think this could have worked far better as a tv series but you know the horse is bolted from the stable now but that said i really hope that obviously we see the x-men join the mcu soon and when they're all settled in there we get around to possibly seeing the new mutants return as there were some interesting characters here that i want to see more of 
there's a huge wealth of characters in the X-Men universe. Who knows what um, what we're going to get when they enter the MCU. Um, your reading list, uh, if you're interested in this movie or these characters, you can check out New Mutants um, by Chris Claremont. There's a an epic collection that is called New Mutants Epic Collection Renewal by Chris Claremont. And that's the very start. That is all the uh, beginnings of the New Mutants, all the characters' introductions that we talked about here today. Um if you're very much interested in the Demon Bear saga, it's not that long. It's only, I think, three three or four issues. Um, there's a couple of collections out there called New Mutants Demon Bear Saga. And some collections uh, include not just the original, but also a couple of the times that the Demon Bear returns in future stories to plague the New Mutants or X-Force. They're all pretty limp and not as good really uh, they they lack um, bill senkovich's artwork but but um but there you know it's it's nice having the full context um, and once marvel does something and it's well received they never leave it alone so the demon bear was bound to come back in our next episode spooktober continues we've got the mcu halloween special werewolf by night me and will are just chomping at the bit to watch it and then put a whole episode together all about it that's going to be a very special project for us we never done anything quite like this before where we don't know what we're going to get and then we're going to have to turn it around in like a week so that's going to be really cool very excited for you to join us as Halloween continues here on Marvel vs. Marvel. Don't forget, for awesome bonus episodes, head over to patreon.com slash Marvel vs. Marvel. If you're in a position to help us out, please do so. Support the podcast you love the most. Thanks for listening to Marvel vs. Marvel. Please take the time to like us, rate us, subscribe to us, leave us a five-star review. Why not recommend us to a friend that loves Marvel? For awesome bonus episodes, head over to patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel. And don't forget to join us next time as we look at Werewolf by Night. Werewolf by Night.